the Scotiabank Saddledome. Welcome to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key to like system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit CalgaryLockandSafe.com with Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts is where you can find Flames Talk and, of course, live right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It's one of those... Weird days here at the Dome. It really is. Uh, Brad Trilliving and the Calgary Flames have parted ways. Uh, mutually parted ways is what we're going with. And the more that we've talked about it, well, and, and it, it truly is. It's not like, it's not like. I know, it just sounds funny. It's what we're going with is kind of how you phrased it. It's Well, but it's, Brad Trilliving hasn't quit. Nope. The Flames haven't fired him. Correct. They were not able to reach an agreement on a contract that worked for both sides. And that's truly what it is. I think that Term had a little bit to do with it on Brad's side. I think, you know, Term probably had a little bit to do with it on the Flames side. I think that there I, – I, I just think that when you're talking about a situation – my guess is Term is the biggest thing here. And I think when you're in a situation like Brad where – you know that you will be a hot commodity as a general manager or manager free agent. And when you're the Flames and this team underachieved to the levels that it did, getting to the point where either side is okay. So for Brad to maybe not get what he felt would keep him here and to accept less than that, or for the Flames to perhaps go more than they would typically be comfortable with, to get there following all of the mm-hmm. turmoil, the turbulence, the frustration, the infighting, the headbutting of this past season, I think getting to that step proved to be a hill that you just couldn't get over. And, and had this season not been the unmitigated disaster that it was, I don't think we're talking about this anywhere near the same way. So when Elliot Friedman, who joined us back in hour one of this Monday Flames talk, said that he believed that Brad wanted to stay and he believed the Flames wanted to keep him, nine times out of ten it gets done. This is the one time it doesn't. It's exactly where I am. Everything I understand about the situation is exactly that. And... Had this year not been the kick in the gut that it was, I don't know if we are here. So, yeah, I I think Brad wanted to be back with conditions. I think the Flames wanted Brad to be back with conditions. And getting past those conditions wasn't able to be done ultimately. And as such, we're looking for a new general manager in this market. And on the flip side, I can understand the scenario from both the individual and the team perspective where to a degree they're okay with how this unfolded because you have a general manager in Brad Living. Let's take it from Brad's perspective first. 
He spent almost a decade here. It was nine years as general manager of the Calgary Flames. And with everything that happened this past year, with what happened this past summer with the team, maybe he does need a refresh. Maybe he does need to relax a little bit. This was a 24-7, 365-day-a-year job that he did day in, day out. Very few general managers, if any at all, outworked him during that stretch. So maybe you come to a nine-year season conclusion and wrap where I think I've gotten to where I can get this group. Now it's either time to relax and refresh or take up a new challenge. And from a team perspective, you've had this one individual be your general manager, your guiding light, if you will, your navigator. And you haven't been outside of the second round in that nine-year stretch. Maybe having a new voice, a fresh voice, a new director takes you to where you need to go. So I can understand it from the perspective of both these guys, the Calgary Flames and Brad Living together wanted to continue what was going on. But at the same time, I can see the scenario where both sides go, maybe a fresh start for each of us is best as well. Especially when you've got these conditions that, you know, it, in getting past those things, I think, yeah, had had because of the stress and the weight of this season, I think it becomes a little easier to do what you just said, that, you know, maybe it is time. And, and you know, we always make the, the relationship comparables when we talk about pro sports. But, yeah, it, it felt like this was a, a really tough year in a relationship or a marriage, and there's still a lot of mutual respect there, but – instead of continuing to, to fight for it, you, you move on is, is kind of what this feels like. But it feels like had this season gone differently on the ice, maybe we wouldn't have been in this situation. The Flames wouldn't be here. Brad wouldn't be here um, and, and looking for a job. And it's – it's we'll get into uh, – had you not laughed, then nobody would have known. Um, yeah, had you not paused, everybody would just assume I'm a good having a good time. It's a good point. It just is uh it's one of those situations where it feels like almost a natural consequence of a season that went wrong in so many different ways. And not that Brad should be the only one to fall on a sword, not that the Flames should have fired him even if he had a contract beyond this year, but it reminds me a lot in a, or, or in some ways anyway, of Brent Sutter's tenure here. Brent Sutter was not fired. They just didn't renew contracts. I think there was a little bit more or far more of a desire for something to get done this time around than there was back in 2012 or whenever it was when, when Brent and the Flames parted ways. But this season, this season took a giant toll on a lot of people. The expectations, the noise, the stress behind closed doors, the headbutting, the different pages, all of it. This was a, look, it's pro sports, and we're talking about millionaires, and I, I get it. But it was a taxing year for those involved, and I think that has led to where we are on this Monday and why things are going in the direction that they're going now. Winning fixes all, and the Calgary Flames didn't do enough winning this season 
to to a degree avoid this I'm not going to call it a confrontation but this situation this eventuality this eventuality that's an excellent way to put it and you look at the overtime shootout losses you look at the one goal games dropped you look at out shooting your opponent by 10 plus and still coming out with a loss you look at the fact that you were only 3 points out of claiming the second wild card spot from the west and playing Monday night or playing Tuesday night, however the schedule was going to unfold. And Don Maloney said it today. Number one thing is playoffs are starting. The Calgary Flames aren't a part of it. Number two, Bradshaw Living is no longer a part of the Calgary Flames. A lot of that gets fixed if the product on the ice just happens to be, even from a percentage perspective, just that much better because all that will trickle right. down and, do, and equate into winning. And man, does winning fix a lot of things. Um, it's uh, Patton Vickers with you this hour underway on Flames Talk. I just, uh, look, I know that there was a, a desire by, by many that the Flames should be going in a different direction regardless when it comes to Tree. Um, I'll just take you a, a little bit inside that, you know, this is, it's still a, it's still an, an industry full of people, and you still make relationships with people in this job. Um, I can tell you that Brad is the only general manager that I've really ever gotten to know on a personal level. Not to say that I was unfriendly with Jay Feaster or anything like that, or when Daryl was the GM, just just based on where my career was Brad's the, the one that I got to know yep. on a personal level that you you felt like you had I, I'm not I'm not suggesting Brad's inviting me over for Christmas dinner or anything like that by no you means you didn't get that invite you did uh, so no, you're, sorry, you're a better man than I but you, you you get to know you get to know him you develop a rapport with him you know he, he can take shots at you publicly or whatever <laughs> just and, and it doesn't bother you because you know that rapport is there and Dude was a good human being. Yes. I, I just yes. I, I think that that on days like today when it is so cutthroat, all about business and what comes next, what does it mean for the team, blah 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 blah. All those things are relevant, but I also think it's relevant to talk about. We're talking about a really good human being who who is no longer with the organization. I'll, I'll just give you a, a, a couple of instances. Uh, I won't even name any names necessarily, but. I remember um, a fundraiser that I was a part of that made its way to Brad, not by me deliberately getting it to him, but it made its way to Brad. And instantly I got a notification that he had made a very generous donation without me ever asking him. I don't even know how it got to him, but I just remember seeing the name of the donation pop up, and I said, wow, that's, that's real A-plus stuff from, from Brad True Living. Um, that sticks out to me, um, and I, I, I believe Will shared this on Twitter today. I just remember when, uh, and, and I, I remember it vividly because I was sitting beside Will, uh, when Will's mom passed after, uh, Will Nault's mom passed after a courageous battle with, with cancer. I just remember how much it meant to him when Tree reached out. Tree had gone through something similar in his life. And I remember sitting there at the 2019, I believe it was, Flames Golf Tournament at the Red and White Club at McMahon Stadium. And it was 
you know, a few months after uh, Will had, had lost his mom, and I just remember Tree coming up. He gave me the middle finger, and <laughs> and uh, he came up to Will, put his hand on Will's shoulder, and uh, just said, "How you doing?" And then just said, "Gets better every day." And, and, and I just I remember sitting there seeing that. I'm like, "Damn that that." Just imagine what that would mean to anybody as a general manager of a hockey team coming up to you, an NHL hockey team, and doing that. And and um, I got I got pretty emotional about it. And I just if I'm if I'm telling that story at a school, I, I apologize. I don't think I am, um, and I'd apologize only to to, to Wilk. I, I don't think I am. It just it meant a lot to me to see that, and and to see a coworker and a partner of mine have that have have the general manager of the Calgary Flames pay that much attention to and be that invested in something that's going on. And so if it meant that much to me, I just know how much it meant to Will. And, and so th- those are just two examples that come to mind of of the dude that we're talking about, mm-hmm. the human being that we're talking about. I just wanted to make sure that that is sprinkled in there with all of the other things, that the, the criticism of that trade or this signing or the praise of that trade or this signing or the grade that you give his nine-year tenure as general manager or however the hell you want to talk about the business side of it, which is fair, we're in pro sports, and that's what this is all about. But I just wanted to mix that in there a little bit on top of it because it was uh, – we were talking about a, uh, an A-plus grade A human who is in the job as well, and I, I, I hope that doesn't get lost. First class would probably be the phrase used to describe interactions from one individual to another as it pertains to Bradshaw Living. Um, In dealing with the media, I never got the impression or instance or whatever you want to call it that he was talking down to you. He very much viewed us in the media as somebody that he understood we had a job to do and you know, sometimes he would answer questions, sometimes he'd walk around questions, but he'd always make sure that he addressed whatever you asked. And then in my personal interactions with him, whether it be on phone or one-on-one or whatnot, there's always the human touch. There's always the, what do you got going on? Um, what's shaking, whether it was the off season, regular season, he always make sure, made sure he had time for you, the reporter, you, the individual as well. Yeah, and it's going to be weird not having him around here. It's not good. I'll always remember that the scowl after every loss because he always walks by unless he's out scouting or doing something else every home game he walks by that door right there as i'm starting the post game show and if they've lost i don't even look up if i say i'm like oh that tree's gonna have the the scowl after a loss uh guy cared guy was invested yeah uh, i wish him all the best um that was uh, a real pleasure to work with the guy and not everything he did was perfect this team is not perfect going forward blah 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 but he did a lot of good things for this organization and and i just wanted to make sure that didn't get lost on to maybe one of the biggest sound bites of the day um funny enough just walking into the room flames talk fan member wes gilbertson of post media desperately in search of a water yeah definitely a a buzz uh, uh an alcoholic um bubbly water Wes asked the question about Daryl Sutter in the news conference at large, and I thought that the answer from Don Maloney, the interim general manager, and more importantly, the president of hockey operations, uh, listened to the response that uh, Don gave us earlier on Monday. 
Does Daryl Sutter your coach next season, or does that have to be reviewed? I am uh, reviewing everything in the organization, in management, coaching, players, scouting, um, how we, first of all, with the idea that what happened and why we underachieved and, and how we make this the best organization to, to chain our goals. That was, I think, quite into that. That went noticed by everyone. Yes. That went noticed by national media, definitely by fans and observers in this city. Yeah, that uh, that's interesting to me, and I'm curious where that review... Look, I remember hearing similar things... After Bob Hartley's fourth year as head coach of the team, I remember that kind of we're taking a review of the organization. After Glenn Gullitson's second year, uh, we heard we're, we're making a review of the organization. Um, and I'm not suggesting that that means that they're going to make sweeping changes. In fact, most believe they're not. I just, it's interesting to hear the president of hockey operations say that. And it just makes me wonder what type of other change we might see uh, between now and the start of, the, of next season. Most believe, they have Frank Saravalli's put it out there, Elliot Friedman said it with us, that the, the feel is that Daryl will be back as head coach as it stands right now. Maybe that review seals it. Maybe that review changes it. I don't know. Um, but I also think this extends to the player side of things you know, when it comes to what the futures of all these guys that we've been talking about since Friday. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's a lot that I think could come from this internal audit that the Flames are looking to undertake here now that part of their hockey operations decision has been figured out. Well, certainly that's a eyebrow-raiser attention grabber when it comes to, is Daryl Sutter your coach? I'm reviewing everything. And then you couple it with what we heard from Elliot Friedman earlier on Monday where he suggested it's not fair to say that the Flames picked Daryl over Brad. You take that instance, you take uh, Don Maloney's um, general, I'm reviewing everything, everything will go under the microscope. We have to figure out why we underachieved and what's best for our organization going forward. Maybe you sprinkle in the fact that some of the player exit interviews between management and the players themselves, some of them tended to be on the very lengthy side of things. So I have no question that Don Maloney's most immediate concern is to do a full top-down audit of the Calgary Flames, figure out what happened, how did they get here, what went wrong, what's the first path to fix it. And he even said that. Don Maloney even said it. That's his first objective. The second is the GM, hiring a full-time GM to replace Brad Living. You just start putting the puzzle pieces together and you wonder what kind of change could happen for the Calgary Flames between... Monday when Bradshaw Living and the Flames opt to go their separate ways to what things look like come September, October. It, uh, it feels like a significant crossroads in the organization right now. Um, it feels like there's a lot that could change either dictated to them or dictated by them in the next number of months. You know, just going back to our conversations from Friday. Okay, so now you know Tree's not going to be the general manager, so whoever it might be 
got a decision to make about Elias Lindholm. You got a decision to make about Michael Backlund. Hannafin, Tanev, Zadorov, so on and so Toffoli, forth. Toffoli, yeah. you got to make some real significant decisions as to the direction of the organization. If Lindholm tells you, let's just say, for sake of the uh, sake of the conversation, if Elias Lindholm, who, in my opinion, is one of the two most important forwards on the team, certainly, it's him or Huberdo, and Huberdo almost as much by virtue of the Contract. money that he makes yeah. than anything else. But those are your two most important forwards. Well, if Elias Lindholm was the younger of the two and the one with the expiring deal at the end of next season goes to new general manager Aaron Vickers and says, yeah. I've, I've, I actually haven't thrown my hat in yet publicly. It's private. I'm sorry. Did I, did I speak out of turn? A little bit. Um, and says, yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to be signing beyond this year. What type of deal do you make? And is there a better chance this time around that you make more of a future-oriented move that you didn't make a year ago with Matthew Kachuk when there was the there, there were at least two that I believe were more of a future-oriented deal on the table. At least one for sure, deal. yeah. We know the Carolina one. I believe there was at least one other that was more future-oriented as opposed to the right-now deal that brought Uyghur and Huberdeau in. Do they go that way? Do they would they would they be okay with taking a first? Like we're talking about a very good center. Oh yeah. Number would you one be center. okay taking a, a a first and another pick and a top end prospect as opposed to taking two really good roster players? You know, like a would you be okay with a a deal more like the deal that Florida that the Carolina we believe had on the table for. Matthew Kachuk that involved Natchez. I believe there was a first-round pick and, and a prospect involved in there. Could you be okay going down that road with Lindholm? And thus, if you go that way with Lindholm, does that open the door for a few other moves like that and maybe you start a, a soft rebuild or a retool. retool or something like that? General Manager Aaron Vickers is accepting all offers on everything. I feel like that was somewhat the approach of Brad Shore Living where you can you can mention anything and I'll give it a look. I'm not going to make you any guarantees. But you have, what is it, six unrestricted free agents at season's end that will certainly garner some attention around the league if and when you decide to move them. Now, if somebody's going to offer me a Jonathan Huberto, Mackenzie Weger, Cole Schwinn, and a first-round pick type deal for a Matthew Kachuk... That's something you got to take a hard look at, a, a hockey trade as opposed to a futures trade. But if you're going to line up some futures trades, there's an opportunity for a new GM to create some flexibility, to reshape the roster as he sees fit, probably with a little bit of a younger tinge to it. The Calgary Flames are a more veteran team this season. But there's certainly going to be no shortage of questions that a new GM has to answer and has to be ready to answer on day one because you mentioned it. Lindholm, Toffoli, Backlund, Tanev, Hannafin, Zadorov. That's an opportunity to reshape your roster or mini retool around some of those players and see where you come out on the other side. There's there's a job to be done here for the new guy coming in. He's just not yep. going to inherit a 23-man roster and say, okay, my work here is done. Right. This looks like a playoff team on paper. It wasn't last year, and it did. 
So let's try it, run it back the same and see what happens. There are going to be some tough, tough decisions that a new GM, particularly if that new GM comes from outside the organization, there's a lot of things that they'll be required to address with the help of Don Maloney, who is internal, of course. But man, there is an opportunity for a new GM to put a stamp on a team, given all the things we just talked about. Text line 960-960. The price for all of the six UFAs should be a first-round pick and a top prospect that'll pour in top 12 top prospects to build on. I don't know if you're going to get that for all of them. Yeah, I don't know if uh, Zadorov's going to bring you that if you'd move them or, or if you're going to get that for a Chris Tanev. But I do think if you make a move like that with Lindholm, and I just go with Lindholm because he was the most – Clearly non-committal about the future. One year. And he's also their most important forward, not named Jonathan Huberto. That's why I use him as an example. If you go down that road with Lindholm, I think it opens the door for you to do a a bit of a pivot. Not even a hard pivot. A soft launch. Soft soft launch, soft pivot on a new direction. Uh, This says they need a Canadian Iser plan. That's... Mm Stevie Y has a plan, and it seems like... And and you know what? It doesn't have to be... Like, I know why that texter used the term Canadian, but uh, and it, it, it makes me a little... Uh, I don't like to give too much credit to the Toronto Maple Leafs, but what Brendan Shanahan did when he took over as their president of hockey operations, his plan worked pretty well. They haven't won a playoff round. I get you that. But they've got elite players. They've got a team that consistently gets to triple digits in the regular season. Yep. They went from where they were to where they are now. I think he did a pretty good job of building it. And now it's all about getting over the hump. But you get Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and you sign Tavares and you develop some other pretty solid players in in that mix. I think that the plan worked pretty well. So it can be done in a Canadian market if that's kind of the the direction that is dictated to you this offseason. Big Mike writes, Hello, gents. What the hell is a deep dive or internal audit going to do? If Sutter's the reason Tree left, he should be turfed. Brad leaving's a huge mistake. However, is it really out of historical character? Outside the cup win, 2004 running a couple really good seasons. This team has barely made or barely missed the playoffs and has had mediocre draft picks. And now it's time to reflect. What a token bunch of BS. Tone deaf ownership. Uh, people, a.k.a. Backlund and Lindholm, will be gone. This says, got to find out who doesn't want to stay with term this season and open space for people who do. This reads, the goal needs to be changed from making the playoffs to winning the cup. Uh, there you go, just a little bit on the text line at 960-960. It's Steinberg and Vickers along with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems. Hot Stove Lounge here at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Worried about radon? They install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. This is Flamestock. Join the conversation at 960-960. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. 
right time to go inside hockey on this Monday for Calgary Co-op. The beer tastes better when it's bought from the place that cheers for your team. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today. My name is Pat Steinberg and we go inside hockey on this Monday like we do every Monday during the season and we check in with the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers, Mitch Love, who joins us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline right now. And uh, now we can say the head coach of the number one team in the American Hockey League and the two-time defending American League Coach of the Year, Mitch Love, joins us right now. How's that sound, Mitch? Yeah, it's, uh, it sounds good. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you, you know how it is, man. Um, something like that is, is, is a 100% of team and staff award here, and so um, that, that's how I feel about it today. How, uh, w- when you get an honor like that and you get named American League Coach of the Year and you're like staff award, team award, 100%, just how does it make you feel just uh, personally about the job that you and your staff did and what you saw from your players and, and to be able to get an award like that for a second consecutive year, just what, what are the, uh, the emotions that you feel when you get that news? Well, I think it, it, it makes me feel fortunate that I have I have good players um, that, you know, go and perform on a consistent level with a, a certain expectation of, of execution um, individually and as a team. And then, you know, from a staff standpoint, I mean, I'm fortunate, and I said this last year, and I'd, I'd say it for as long as I worked uh, with, with Joe and, and, and Don and, and, you know, Mackenzie Skowski and, Dan Johnson. I mean, the list goes on and on. It's not just those guys. It's our support staff too. Uh, a lot of people putting a lot of heavy lifting around here. And, you know, of course I'm, I'm, I'm the head coach. So I, you know, I try to lead um, as best I can with, with everybody where they need to go. But um, I, I'm really fortunate to have good people around me and, and um, they support me on a daily basis. And, and then the, the the amount of work our players put in, that's what it's all about. And uh, our guys, you know, executed that uh, after after a slow start um, to our season yeah. and, and found a way to earn themselves a good buy here for the first round, which is very, very important. And, and now we've got bigger fish to fry, which is, you know, try to chase down a Calder Cup championship, and, and we got to get ourselves wrapped around that now. I did want to ask you, I have written down right here, uh, poor start, because I wanted to ask you about that. You, you go to the Western Conference final last year. You have the great first year in Stockton. You come to Calgary, and the, the Wranglers' first few games as the Calgary Wranglers uh, didn't didn't look so good. What did, did you feel like it was going to rectify itself to the extent and as emphatically as it did this year, Mitch? Well, I, you know, I was talking to CBC Radio locally or earlier on today, and they they asked me the same question. And I, I, I'm an honest guy, Pat. I think you understand that now after you know our conversations over the last few years. Yeah. Uh, you know, we lost those first three games, and then we went two and five to start. Um, and I, I you know, we we kind of laugh about this now, and you know, probably wasn't funny at the time, but I said to the staff, I said, we might lose 50 games this year, you know, like just the, just the way we performed and, uh, you know, it was kind of lackluster to start. And, and then you kind of put in perspective, just, 
you know, it, it, there's a lot of, lot of turnover uh, as there is at this level uh, each and every off season. And then, you know, we had, we had some guys that were with us last year that had some sluggish starts. I mean, that's, that's the honest truth. And, and, and it took them a while to kind of get going and they did. And we started to round out our kind of guys where they slotted in in terms of roles and responsibility for our team. And, and, and they got to know us as coaches. We got to know them as players, the, the new guys. And, and then the guys did a phenomenal job of just playing with consistency. I think we, we lost three in a row once uh, after our 0-3 start. And that was, there was an overtime loss in there. So you yep. can't even say it was three regulation losses. Um, and that's a credit to the players. I mean, they, that's hard to do. Um, you know, in a regular season, with the, you know, we, we spent 65 nights in a hotel this year. Um, you know, that, that's, that's a lot of work by those guys and I'm proud of them for that. And, uh, you know, but now we got to park that and we got bigger fish to fry, like I mentioned earlier of, of yep. getting to work here on, on, you know, having targets on our backs and, and trying to win a Calder cup. To that point, you talk about getting the first round by and you clinch number one overall in the American league over the weekend as, as you finish off on a strong note. What? How? How do you? How, how do you want your team to kind of digest being the best team in the regular season? Like, is there is there a balance of being proud of that accomplishment, but also completely forgetting about that accomplishment that you want them to to kind of strike? Well, you know, you, you you have these few days here to reflect on the regular season. I mean, you know, we talked about it briefly after the game in Abbotsford, and those those were hot, hard-fought games for us there, uh, which I, I really liked. Just, you know, we won one yeah. out of three games up there, but they were intense and we were tight, and, you know, it was good for our group to go through that. Um, you know, but, you know, we're, we're giving the guys a little bit of a breather here over the next two or three days uh, away from the rink. Um, so that's their time to, you know, enjoy what they, they've, you know, uh, had success on, which was our regular season. Um, <laughs> you know, they can have a lot of people tell them how sweet of a year they had and, and you know, everything's good and fine and dandy. And then it's my job on, on Wednesday when we get back at it to tell them that that's over and good job and, and let's move on. That's, that's how this works. So, um, you know, that's what we need. That's, that's the importance of the buy. It, it, it allows these guys to decompress from the game uh, mentally and physically, relax, rest bumps and bruises, and then it's go time. And then we got to strategically plan our, our preparation time. Um, you know, and, and a good chunk of this time, Pat, we don't even know who we're playing until at least, yep. you know, Sunday night. So it's the biggest thing for us is get the rest, get back to work on our conditioning, our battle level, or compete amongst each other internally. And then we'll know our opponent where we can kind of implement, hey, we got to maybe expose this or expose that. And, and then, but not lose fact of what we do well, which is, you know, we want to be hard to play against team each and every, every game. Mitch Love is with us, head coach of the Calgary Wranglers, who, as he mentioned, will wait to see who their second-round opponent is going to be as the Wranglers clinch number one in the Pacific and number one overall in the American League over the weekend and thus get a bye into round two of the playoffs. He joins us here on Flames Talk. Mitch, you uh, had a similar situation last season in Stockton as well. Did you 
learn anything, anything that you picked up from that time in terms of preparing for a second round series and having that extended time off? Anything that you learned positively that you'll, because uh, you were able to get through it, you won your second round series, but anything that you can apply to this year that you learned from going through that last year? Yeah, um, I think we kind of talked about it, Pat. Like, you know, this rest um, between the regular season and our first game next week, is it's huge. And I think that's the biggest thing. It's just allowing guys to get away from it and, you know, resting up those nagging bumps and bruises that they that accumulate over a long hockey season. And, um, and then just as a staff, we just kind of, you know, we strategically plan our practices around, you know, you know, time away from the game and how close are we getting? What's our pace? What's our, what's the heaviness of the practice need to be? Um, there's a little science behind that, but at, at the end of the day, you know, to be a good team in, in the second season, you got to really focus in on, on yourselves and what you do best, not, not what your opponent's going to bring. Of course, you, you know, we're fortunate playing this division. You play everybody eight times or 10 times or whatever it is, or 12 yeah. if you're in Abbotsford's case. So, like, you, you have a good book on each other. Um, so you make little adjustments here and there. But at the end of the day, if, if guys aren't individually performing and, and your team's not playing your team game, which, you know, like I mentioned, we like to check. We like to be on top of you. We like to get pucks back quickly. Like, you don't have a stand a chance in this in this uh, Calder Cup playoff. So, um I, I don't know if I learned much, Pat. If I'm, you know, long-winded in my answer here, it's, you know, I think you just, you really got to take advantage of the time that you have away from the rink, and then when it's time to work, you get it back to work. Yep. Do you, uh, will you as the coach be watching a lot of playoff hockey? Are you are you doing some pre-scouts watching the teams that you might play in their first-round series? Yeah, so the series kick off, you know, Wednesday night. So that, that'll be, you know, I'll be bouncing back and forth. You know, just obviously get a bit of a pulse of, you know, where teams are at and, and how things are going. Again, like I mentioned earlier, like, you know, you got a bit of a book on how teams play or individuals play. But, you know, this is, this is for real. And, and in a best of three, like, the game one is pretty important. So, like, to tune in here on Wednesday night and, and you know, bounce from game to game. Uh, our staff will be doing that and, and, and obviously kind of scoreboard watching over the next few days. But um, now it's the best time of year. You're, you're actually cutting into my NHL playoff time right now, Pat. So, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, this is the best time of year, as you know. It really is. Uh, well, then, for that reason, I won't keep you much longer. Um, the uh, the return of you, – you get – Walker Dewar back. Uh, I know he didn't play in your final two games of the season. Jacob Pelche did get into your final two games of the season. I'll ask you about Dustin to wrap things up, but getting Walker and Jacob back with the group just uh, kind of must feel like a, a little bit of hope, some some reinforcements to this group as well. How did that uh, how did that feel to get those two guys back in the fold? Well, really good. I mean, obviously, we we feel like we've got one of the best goalies in in this league by by far. Um, you know, so to get him back on Friday and Saturday was huge. Um, you know, he, if you asked him, he he probably didn't like his performance on Friday night after you know having probably an emotional few days there playing his first NHL game, which was well earned and, and well deserved. Um, and and then he you know 
Saturday night. He was just he was dialed in terms of knowing the importance of us getting a, at least a point in that game. Um, and then Jacob, same thing. Like you know, I, I the one thing about Jacob is he, he's such a competitor and cares so much about whether he's with the Flames and, and helping them or, or helping us here that. You know, I think he had a little bit of a hiccup on Friday night. He, you know, he's only played one game in the last month and a half, too. So, yeah. I, you know, I, I understand that as a coach. He understands that as an athlete. Um, I liked this game a lot better Saturday night. He was a little bit more of himself. Um, you know, it's going to take a little bit. That's why these practices are important for him to kind of get, get his game ramped up again in conditioning because, you know, he plays a lot of minutes for us here in, in different situations. And then Walker, you know, he, he, he was playing through some bumps and bruises down the stretch there with the Flames, and obviously he had a, a great run with them. Um, so he, he's staying a little bit of time there. He rested last weekend, and, and he'll be available for us in the playoffs. So those are great ads for us. Um, they, they know what it takes uh, this time of year, having gone through with us last year to, you know, the Western Conference Final, and, and we're excited to have them and, and really excited to get going. How uh, how neat was it? Uh, Dustin told us on Wednesday that you broke the news to him that he was getting the call to the Flames and was going to get his opportunity. He started on Wednesday night against San Jose, picked up a win in his first NHL game. Tell us uh, tell us about how cool that was to break the news to Dustin Wolf last week. Yeah, it kind of comes full circle for you as a coach. I mean, like for me, and we've talked about this before, like, uh, you know, Dustin broke into the Western Hockey League at 16 and Everett, and I was there as an assistant coach. And so I've kind of obviously followed his career and been a part of that a, a little bit along the way. And, and then, you know, to kind of wrap up our meeting there right before we went to Abbotsford and, you know, Brad Pascal was in my office and received the call from Tree uh, that, that Dustin was going up. You know, we grabbed him right away and, it's always a special moment for, for a young man and his family. And, um, you know, like I mentioned, he, he's, he's well-deserved. He's done a phenomenal job. He's one of the best goalies in, in pro hockey right now. And we're happy to have him. And it was, it was special to watch him win a, win a hockey game there for the Flames in his debut. So, yeah, it's, those are the moments as a coach that you enjoy. Um, and, uh, you know, especially the guys that are, are so well-deserving of those, those opportunities. Last question for you, Coach, uh, and it's uh, uh, just a bit of a feel-good one. I, uh, I'm here at the Scotiabank Saddledome on this Monday. I may have gone out and scoped that there's a different logo at Center Ice. Uh, there's a big W at Center Ice. Kind of cool that uh, you're the uh, lone inhabitant of the Scotiabank Saddledome. Uh, it's got to be it's got to be kind of cool as you kick off the Calder Cup playoffs next week. Yeah, I mean, I I think we can all attest, Pat. You, you're you're a big supporter and follower of the Flames. Uh, we we would love for the Flames to be there and, and probably have their logo on the ice along with us. You know, grinding away in, in, in our season. Um, but again, uh, we'll, we'll take we'll take that. Uh, I mean, this has been a great place to come to work and a great place for our players to play here in Calgary. Um, you know, our, our guys are excited. Our crowds grew as the season wore on. I anticipate that, you know, with this little bit of a layoff for an opportunity for them to sell tickets and, and get a little bit of buzz going on that we're playing here next week, it, our crowd should be real uh, energetic and, and a good crowd at the Saddle Dome, and we're excited. So um, it's, uh, it can't come soon enough. 
Appreciate the time. Get back to the postseason, Mitch. Uh, I'll let you go back and watch some hockey. Thanks for doing this, and more than anything else, congratulations on a hell of a regular season. Congratulations on a second straight AHL Coach of the Year nod, and good luck in the postseason. Hey, Coach. No, I really appreciate that. Thanks a lot, pal. We'll talk to you soon. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much. Mitch Love is the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers joining us inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. The beer tastes better when it's bought from the place that cheers for your team. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today as we start to wrap up a uh, very hectic hour of the program. Thanks to our producers, Cam and Taylor. Thanks to Aaron Vickers. Thanks to Mitch Love. And my name is Pat Steinberg. This hour has been the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key to like system just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors visit calvarylockandsafe.com